What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. This week on the podcast, we bring you up to date on business stats, figures, and data. We have the latest survey figures of what U.S. companies doing business in China are thinking. We have the official National Bureau of Statistics numbers on China's inflation rate, and we show how reliance on data and algorithms is bringing misery to China's millions of delivery drivers. They say numbers never lie, and neither do we on the Caixin Seneca Business Brief. So with all the latest news, here's what has been happening in China this week. China's cabinet has approved plans to allow foreign companies to own as much as 50% in joint ventures providing virtual private network services, better known as VPNs, to foreign businesses in China. VPNs enable users to browse the World Wide Web as if they are in different places of the world, and in the case of China, allows businesses to access parts of the internet that might be blocked. Granting foreign companies access to the VPN market is part of a work plan approved by the State Council late last month on expanding tests of opening the service sector. Since January 2017, telecom and internet service providers offering VPN services needed to obtain licenses from the Ministry of Industry and Information Technology. More than 70% of U.S. companies operating in China currently don't plan to move factories out of the country, though fewer companies plan to increase investment in China amid the COVID-19 pandemic and the deterioration of China-U.S. relations, according to a survey by the American Chamber of Commerce in Shanghai released last week. Despite the two countries signing a first-phase trade agreement, U.S. companies' optimism about the prospects for bilateral economic and trade relations has cooled compared with last year, according to the survey, and the ongoing debate about decoupling has also caused confusion and uncertainty for businesses. It would appear that American companies are not the only ones worried about potential decoupling. Following the fate of blacklisted Chinese tech companies Huawei and Hikvision, Beijing has begun to worry that U.S. sanctions could bleed into other industries like cloud services. China Electronics Corp., 
the country's largest centrally controlled state-owned IT company, has unveiled its China Electronics Cloud services with the goal of, quote, guaranteeing the safety of government and companies' digital transformation, unquote. The cloud services will exclusively use domestic technologies, and it is hoped to be able to offer an alternative to the current Chinese cloud services market, which mostly utilizes U.S. company Intel's x86 architecture. In late June, China's largest server maker, Inspur, had its supply of chips from Intel cut off for two days after the U.S. Department of Defense alleged it had military links. Tokyo-based SBI Group, one of the biggest online brokerages, may leave Hong Kong due to what it calls business environment reasons, a possible euphemism for the political unrest. SBI's plan was first reported Wednesday by Japanese media outlet GG Press, with an SBI spokesperson later confirming the news to Caixin, saying the company has decided to either withdraw from Hong Kong or downsize its business there. If it withdraws from Hong Kong or downsizes, SPI will consider allocating more resources to the Chinese mainland. The spokesperson said, There are no changes in our commitment toward mainland China at the moment. More than 9% of Japanese companies said they plan to downsize their Hong Kong operations, while about 1% said they plan to totally withdraw from the city, according to a July survey conducted by bodies, including the Consulate General of Japan in Hong Kong and the Japan External Trade Organization's Hong Kong office. In good economic news, China's sales of excavators soared 51.3% in the first eight months of this year, to 20,939 units, boosted by an infrastructure boom the government is relying on to revive an economic slowdown caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. The total of excavator sales in the first eight months is already close to 90% of sales for the whole of 2019, according to the China Construction Machinery Association. Excavator sales are often seen as a leading indicator of investment as the equipment is widely used in construction from roads to housing. China has poured out trillions of yuan in fiscal stimulus this year, aiming to promote economic growth through investment in infrastructure. Continuing the good news, China's consumer inflation saw a slight drop in August. The inflation rate officially stood at 2.4% year-on-year, down from a 2.7% increase in July, and this marked the first monthly deceleration since May. The lower inflation rate is thought to be mainly due to food prices rising at a slower rate of 11.2% year-over-year last month, down from 13.2% growth in July. And this, in turn, was due to a fall in the rise of pork prices. The core CPI, which includes more volatile food and energy prices and may better reflect long-term inflation trends, rose 0.5% year-on-year in August, unchanged from the month before, according to the National Bureau of Statistics. And finally, spare a thought for China's army of hard-working delivery drivers and riders. A six-month-long investigation by Chinese-language magazine People, laying out in grim detail the human cost of a delivery system run by algorithms calibrated to maximize efficiency and profit, has gone viral. It showed how the pressure to meet tight deadlines pushes riders to the brink, forcing them to zip around streets and alleys on electric bikes at hair-raising speeds, breaking road rules to avoid being penalized, and leading to increased accidents. 
The two largest delivery companies, Meituan Dianping and Ilma, have both responded to the allegations. Meituan issued an apology, pledging to give drivers an additional eight minutes per delivery, while Ilma responded the same by launching a function to allow customers to give their driver an additional five or ten more minutes by pressing a special function on the delivery app. Let's turn now to Doug Young, managing editor of Tyson Global, coming to us from the Tyson Studio in Beijing. Doug, what's new this week? Uh, this week, Kaiser, I want to talk a little bit about Huawei, which I'm sure we've talked about before, but uh, it's back in the headlines, and I don't think we've talked about them too much lately. Uh, the big headline this past week was Huawei officially showed the world its 2.0 edition of its Harmony operating system. Um, and I think a lot of people probably hear the word operating system and, and start snoozing. But, um, you know, the fact of the matter is for smartphones especially, there's really only two operating systems that are considered, you know, viable in the world, one being Apple's iOS and the other being Android by Google. Uh, and it's been very, very difficult, if not impossible, for anybody else to break into that market, which is extremely lucrative. So, Huawei has rolled out this Harmony operating system and, you know, everybody knows Huawei's been under assault and and this Harmony operating system, they hope, is going to be able to compete with, with Android. Um, Huawei is basically doing all of this under a lot of stress because it's basically been cut off from Google for, I think, about a year now under one of these orders from from the Donald Trump administration. So basically they can't they, they they can still sell Android phones because Android is a free open source system, but what they can't do is offer access to the Google Play Store, which is like the app store that you know you need to get used to get all the apps for your Google phone. So uh, an Android phone without access to Google Play is is sort of useless. Uh, so they've launched this Harmony system. Um, you know, it's. I think it's probably earlier than they would have liked to have done it. Uh, it's it's been a bit rushed, and and they gave us some numbers. Uh, apparently, uh, Harmony has about ninety six thousand apps on it right now, which is really just a tiny fraction of the three million that are available on Android. So. Um, they started shipping some Harmony phones in the first couple of quarters of this year, but they were all Harmony 1.0. So this is Harmony 2.0. Let's see if it uh, does a little better than the first one, which didn't do that great. It, it, it shipped about uh, three, three or four million phones with Harmony operating system in the first couple quarters of the year. So the U.S. government has been on the warpath trying to force Huawei on its belly for quite some time now. Uh, what piece of, of that is relevant to this push to create its own operating system? Yeah, well, this is really, you're right. Uh, Huawei has just been totally in the U.S. crosshairs for about a year and a half now. Uh, the Android cutoff is actually part of a bigger U.S. move that essentially cut off well, it basically forbid any U.S. companies from doing business with Huawei without any without special licenses from the U.S., which I doubt they will get. Um, and you know, this is from everything from from the chips at the heart of the you know at the heart of a cell phone to the software that helps to run it um, to the screens, you know, the the monitors or whatever you want to call them that that you know you use to look at your phone, the touch screens. So. 
some of these aren't in the U.S. Uh, there's quite a few in Taiwan, Japan, Korea. Uh, but then what the U.S. has been doing more recently, uh, they've been pressuring those companies. Uh, and a big deadline just came up recently, uh, September 15th. Um, and as of that date, TSMC, which is like the world's biggest chip maker, and they were basically making the CPUs, sort of the 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 brains for Huawei's uh, smartphone chips. They can no longer sell to Huawei as of September fifteenth, so they're basically losing the source of their their you know central chips. Uh, they've also been cut off from uh, Samsung and LG Display, which are two of their big monitor suppliers. So you know the U.S. is really going full 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 out against Huawei and you know it's this uh harmony is just one little piece of their fight you know essentially to stay in existence so Doug what's your prognosis in general for Huawei how are they going to fare well i think it's going to be really tough for the company i mean the company's put on a brave face and everything uh, apparently they've been waiting for this day and they've stockpiled all kinds of chips and China keeps talking about how they're, they're, you know, going to be self-sufficient and this stuff, but, you know, self-sufficiency may not come soon enough for Huawei. Um, it's really, really striking in my lifetime. I've never seen a country go on the warpath against a single company like this. But, uh, for whatever reason, Donald Trump has really, Got Huawei in the crosshairs, and uh, I don't. I don't think he'll be happy until the company's out of business. Of course, there's an election coming up in November, and you know, if if we were to change administrations and get a new U.S. administration, I suppose anything's possible. But at least under the current situation, I'd say things don't look that good for Huawei. Well, here's hoping. Anyway, thanks for this, Doug, and uh, we look forward to having you back again soon. Okay, thanks, Kaiser. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Taishin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Venkata with stories from the staff of Taishin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin and Marcus Ryder of Taishin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Be sure to check out the other shows in the Seneca Network on SupChina, and for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SupChina Access for the daily newsletter. Find us at SupChina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care. <laughs>